1: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 13, Episode 154. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex dot SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday. Steelers Nation, Dave, less than two weeks until the Pittsburgh Steelers report for their 2023 training camp in Latrobe, PA and St. Vincent College. So Home stretch here and cannot come quickly enough because I am I am ready for some camp action.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what's got me uh, obviously excited about you know, getting getting rolling towards uh, the start of training camp and all like that. Uh, I don't know. Have you watched the uh, the Netflix quarterbacks uh, series?
1: I haven't. How is it?
0: Oh my God. You got, you want to get fired up for a C or just get your blood uh, going. Uh, that is so well done. I have made it through now. I don't even know how many episodes are in there. I've made it through the first four right now. I've been trying to knock out two, two a day at, uh, uh, you know, during the nighttime and all like that. It is very well put together. And, uh, what they do is they, uh, you know, it's basically a recap of uh, the season of Patrick Mahomes, uh, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Marcus Mariota. Uh, those are the three quarterbacks that they uh, uh, focus on. And, and, you know, a lot of behind the scenes stuff and a lot of game footage and, uh, it is well done, and the last couple episodes have been really good talking about you know the injuries that they go through and the, and 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 the rehab that, that that takes place during the week to get them just in a position where you know they're ready to play from a health standpoint. And then I think this uh, this uh, episode four of it uh, mostly dealt with you know, the, uh, the game planning and, and, and the terminology and the studying that they have to put in, uh, every week. And, uh, it really, I look, you know, uh, you, you think that, you know, how much, uh, quarterbacks go through and, 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 and really just players in general, you know, mm-hmm. uh, getting past injuries and, and, the rehab, uh, part of it, but, and, and you think you kind of know, and even as long as we've kind of covered this thing, you know, there's a lot of things that we think that we know that we don't know (laughs) because we're not behind, uh, the closed doors, but I, I, this this will really uh do you you've got Netflix don't you or no
1: I don't actually that's why I haven't oh. watched it yet
0: Oh man you've got to you got to subscribe maybe just for that uh it, it is very well put together and uh you know it, the thing that got me thinking along the lines here is uh you know specifically we're fixing to talk about Kenny Pickett quite a bit you know, I, I think in this show a little bit here uh, for, you know, from an interview that he has done and kind of rankings and all like that. But uh, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot put on quarterbacks, plain and simple. And uh, you Kirk cousins last year, that was his first season with, with, with that head coach there. And there's, there was a a lot of feeling out process about, you know, what Kevin O'Connell was looking for and, And even though Kirk Cousins has been around, obviously several, you know, several years, and you know, just understanding, you know, you know, offensive concepts and all like that. So uh, it 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 really kind of opens up your eyes and kind of you know translate it to to Kenny. You know, Kenny coming in as a rookie, you know, head spinning anyway. Obviously, a lot of focus being on uh, the combine and getting through the draft process, and then boom. You know, you're 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 into training camp and into the preseason, and obviously he didn't open up the season as a starter. Mr. Trubisky did. And then, you know, just imagine kind of you know the process of of, of Kenny coming in and being the starter, and then you know, Mac Matt, Matt Canada trying to tailor things more and more to him and what he can absorb uh moving forward and then obviously you get the bye week that comes along. There's a lot of layers to this thing and it's amazing. You know, I, I guess where, where I'm getting at here is man, it's hard on a rookie quarterback to come in right away mm-hmm. and sure. and and not only prepare but to have success uh within that uh with everything that goes along in there. And then secondly, you know, imagine you know uh, these younger quarterbacks that go through early OC changes in their career. You know, Right. and I think that probably you know a lot of people obviously, you know, and for good reason. You know, one in Matt Canada out last season, and you know wanted this team to have a new uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, but I, I think you can probably if if you watch some of this stuff and then kind of relate it uh to the Steelers and you'll know, you'll know, look there's probably not a lot of optimism overall when it comes to to Matt Canada uh 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 heading into the season and for obvious reasons but i think the continuity you know factor and that's something i think you know that's been mentioned from time to time here mm-hmm. uh, could play a role in you know helping Kenny Pickett's overall Progress and maturation into the NFL. And I use maturation not for him personally maturing, but his. His NFL game is, you know, everything that comes along with the NFL uh, maturing. But uh, oh man, I if if anybody's listening, I'm sure several people listening to this have Netflix and have watched it and are probably nodding, hopefully nodding their head (laughs) uh, along with me here. But and once again, it's not things that I, you know, I don't think are 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 are. You know, hugely foreign uh, to people, but it, it, it does get you thinking if you have an open mind about, you know, the process and NFL, if you're just an NFL lover at all. And then if, as you're watching this, you kind of relate, relate it back to maybe Kenny Pickett and the Steelers specifically. Uh, I just think it's fantastically done. How was that for an open, yeah, it's un, a great un, review. unscripted open for you?
1: <laughs> Not in our pre-production meeting there. No, it's a great point. And I agree. I think the continuity, Pittsburgh's desire for continuity, right or wrong, was probably the driving reason behind why Matt Canada was retained as OC for an offense that went through so many growing pains and such a bumpy ride the first half of last year. I think Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's calculation was we don't want to have those same or similar growing pains in 2023 as we adjust to a new OC and uh for Pickett and for the rest of the offense as well pretty young offense the youngest in football last year so I think that was to me the number one reason why Matt Canada remains as the Steelers offensive coordinator
0: yeah look and then and you know a lot of people say well man all they do is focus on uh uh I've I've got a lot and I've already liked Patrick Mahomes, I think Patrick Mahomes is a great kid. I think he's a great looking kid. I think everything about him obviously is play. Uh, I like his personality. I like his fire uh, and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, I get he plays for the Chiefs and, you know, we're not supposed to root for those guys and all like that. Uh, But uh, there's a lot to like about him and, and, and the process for him alone, even as a young quarterback, he's learned that, you know, Uh, how he's got his own kind of personal trainer that he works with there during the week outside of the facility that gets him uh, ready for games. You know, there is a lot more than just going to practice for these guys and then not just quarterbacks, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 obviously other players do this as well too. It's not unique to him. It's just that it's, it, he's under the microscope here, you know, uh, but there's a lot that goes into this, uh, with quarterbacks and they learn more, you know, the longer that they get into the league that, you know, if you want to play and have success in this league for long periods of time, you know, you've you've, you've got to go above and beyond just what happens at, 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 at practice. And I think you really see this on different degrees, uh, you know, and they focus on Kirk cousins quite a bit, obviously in this as well too. And man, that son of a gun got beat up quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, last season with the Vikings. And there's a lot of, you know, different things of rehab that he goes, in, uh, and, uh, you know, goes, goes through during the week. And, uh, he tries, you know, he shows different exercises he, he does to try to keep his mind sharp and keep focused and all like that. So I think the, the big, the biggest takeaway that I have uh, from this series so far, and once again, I'm only four episodes in is just, there's so many layers to this game overall, other than Sunday football and practice on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday that, that we don't really see. And as much as we'd like to think that we know uh, uh, what happens yeah, you know, there's there's a lot that happens during the week that we don't see.
1: It's a great point, and I'm glad that series is is highlighting that. I think that I think the injury aspect might be the most underrated and underappreciated part of you know NFL players from from our fan base viewpoint. I think we all as fans understand that yes, these guys get hurt, but we really don't know what they're going through. And the guys that aren't just hurt and not playing, but the guys who are playing and battling through injuries. I mean, there's some crazy stuff these guys work through and that probably does not get recognized enough about this guy's got, you know, you know, terrible, terrible injury playing on an ankle sprain, whatever it is, something even worse. And he's gutting it out. And yes, it's affecting his performance. But if you understood what he was dealing with, you would understand the context for what you're seeing on tape.
0: And, you know, Mariota, they show a segment in in there with him, you know, and, 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 you know, this is uncommon, you know, he's got his own chef, you know, and it's an old childhood friend of his as well, too, that, that pretty much comes in six days a week and cooks his dinners, you know, for him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's the thing, too. A lot of people see these, uh, these younger players and see them make, you know, NFL minimums of, you know what is it this year? Seven hundred and fifty thousand, I think, overall uh, is the minimum uh, salary for a player. Uh, and let's assume that player doesn't get a signing bonus. You know, there's a if these players th- those things cost money, right? You know, uh, these
1: lots eggs, of money,
0: a, a lot of money too, and uh, you don't often hear the cost. And and I understand it's all. Uh, relative usually to 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 what the player makes. I mean, obviously, you got guys on multi-million dollar contracts, mm-hmm. like like Mahomes and 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 Cousins and all like that. But you know, what about that player before he gets to that level? You know, uh, sure. the emphasis on taking care of the body and and getting the you know getting, getting the proper treatment outside of the facility and the training. And you see a lot of these other young players working, you know, during the off season, uh, uh, that, that costs money if they, if they have their own, you know, performance center or whatnot that they go to. But anyway, I know that's a little bit long and, and, and it sounds like paid, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, by, by Netflix to, to review this. But, uh, anyway, that, that, you know, if you, Plug that thing in. That'll really get your juices going before training camp gets underway here.
1: Well, let's stick with quarterbacks because Kenny Pickett appeared on the what's it called? Green Light podcast with Chris Long in an episode that aired yesterday. And there wasn't a ton of new ground cover because Pickett's done many interviews this summer. But I thought there were a couple interesting questions that were asked of him. One was you know what's your your favorite coverage to see and Pickett said two man which is a man coverage defense two high shell man coverage underneath cuz he liked that he could run against it talked about how he did that versus Miami did that against New Orleans and then he didn't see it the rest of the year because defense is understood he played two man against the mobile quarterback you're going to give him probably some escape lanes and chances to run and and rip off a good chunk of yardage so Uh, I thought there was some interesting comments, Pickett, talking about how he utilizes his legs, mobility. Obviously, that's new for Pittsburgh, um, considering the last decade of Ben didn't really have anything like that. So, again, as I talked about in my full breakdown, there's a line to walk between when when it's the right time to run and when you should hang in the pocket more and look to throw. I thought Pickett improved there, but certainly the guy can run when the opportunity presents itself.
0: You know, that's another aspect of his game as well, too, you know, with the with his rookie season behind him. You know, obviously he's learned more uh, about, you know, NFL defenses and, and kind of how uh, they adjusted to him uh, a, 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 as, as they went along. Uh, I'm looking now I pulled up on uh, Sports Info. What would you imagine? Let's see. Uh, you want man cover, too, right? Uh, yes. Two man. Yep. Uh Let's see here. Uh, 35 dropbacks overall last season for Kenny Pickett, uh, against man cover two, thirty-one 31 attempts, 13 completions, uh, for him. Uh,
1: any rushing stats on that. Let's see. Do they show anything like that? Pickett rattled off two of them.
0: Let's see. Yeah. One touchdown, one interception, one sack. Uh and fifteen pressures in those. And you want rushing with that?
1: Yeah, I don't know uh, if they show that. But uh, I, I can find it probably. Uh, okay. I mean Pickett mentioned he's got 35 total. There was a sack. So it's maybe might be three scrambles on that if I'm if I'm kind of reading the numbers here correctly. He mentioned two, one versus Miami, one against the Saints. I pulled that clip. That was a 23-yard gain. And then Pickett said he didn't see much of that. The rest of the season. I mean, two man's not run a ton. It's generally kind of more of a third and long right. type of coverage. So you uh, know, I don't know. It's if it's run a lot uh, league wide.
0: They don't have uh, okay. SIS. Doesn't have it broken down by rushing against certain coverages okay. uh, here, but. Uh, uh, I wonder if they, if I show it by, no, they won't show it by game. I wonder. What- but
1: obviously yeah, man coverage, I mean, in general, whether it's two man or cover one, whatever man coverage, you know, backs are turned, no vision on the quarterback. Right. And that allows him to run if, if the escape lane is there. Okay. Anything else there from that Pickett interview um, talked about kind of, thought Chris Long had a good question. What pisses off Mike Tomlin? You don't hear that <laughs> one too often. And Pickett didn't really have an immediate answer, but just said, you know, if you're lower energy and you're not really bringing it, you know, Tomlin's the guy that's always bringing it to the, to the, you know, locker room and, uh, to the team each day. So that'll, you know, be something that'll, that'll piss off Mike Tomlin.
0: Yeah. Uh, understandable, uh, that way I thought overall, it was a good interview with him and I thought, uh, uh, another, you know, keep it on, 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 on the, on the picket subject here. Uh, Alan Robinson, these, uh, the, the, the second is on, uh, uh, serious, uh, this morning with, Solomon Wilcox, and he is uh, co-hosting that three hours with him and kind kind of wanted to say, you know, they, they obviously did an opening kind of review uh, how things have gone with Alan Robinson so far in his time uh, with the Steelers and, you know, asked a little bit about uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, and his leadership there and you know, kind of re and obviously, you know, what what do we you know, people are saying, well, what do you expect him to say? You think he's gonna say Kenny's not a good leader or anything like that? But uh uh here's the quote we have on him. He says, for me coming in and seeing Kenny now going into his second season, he says, Man, the command that he has for a second year player is awesome. He says, You know, I personally feel like you don't get a chance to see guys that young with command that strong as far as leading us getting guys together, throwing after, uh, watching film across the board. He's very experienced and it's been fun to see, and it's been fun to be a part of. So, you know, that goes back to us having several conversations about Pickett and the maturity, uh, that he had coming out and, you know, not being, uh, really concerned about, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know, the leader, uh, and, you know, this he's talked about it a little bit, you know, uh, going into his second season, talk about, you know, you know, look, you know, I know this is my team now. And uh, I think every, and, you know, kind of the, the one of the things that we recapped several a few weeks ago was that, you know, there's nothing as far as Kenny Pickett, the leader and the worker and uh, the mentality that he has. There's nothing that's been really unappetizing uh, at all uh, when it comes to him. It it was just good to hear because obviously Allen Robinson's new to the organization. He's been around a lot of younger quarterbacks uh, throughout his time. So uh, I think that's quite quite the praise from Allen Robinson saying, you know, look, this guy's got, you know, essentially the command of a veteran player and he's only a second year player.
1: And that's the other aspect that I I was about to mention in the open when we talked about that quarterback Netflix series is quarterback is the most you know physically, mentally demanding position, I think, in all of sports, at least especially mentally, you know, handling the entire offense and you're responsible for every aspect of it. And then on top of that, the leadership aspect and you're the face of the franchise and how you carry yourself you know, within the media and out in public and just your day-to-day life. I mean, you're never, you're never not the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, you're always that guy, whether you're on the field, in the locker room, or just in your personal life. And so for a still relatively young guy, like Pickett, he is 25, but second year in the NFL, first year, full-time starter, it's a lot of pressure to deal with. I can't even imagine what that feels like. And so you add extra layers on top of that beyond just the foundational basics of, how to play the position and understanding your playbook. And then you put on top of that leading and being the face of a young offense and the pressure that's going to be in Pittsburgh this year for this team to win. It is a lot to handle, but Pickett certainly seems capable of it. That is the book on him. Zero questions about work ethic and leadership. And again, as I always say, that alone does not guarantee and ensure greatness, you know, being a hard worker, being a good leader. But you'll find very few quarterbacks that were great, that were not hard workers, that were not good leaders. So it's going to raise that floor and create that foundation for hopefully future on-field success.
0: And, I, you know, he just, look, he, he's a smart kid overall as well, too. I don't think any of this is going to be too big uh, for him. And it does kind of make you, I, I found myself kind of wondering uh, last night. when watching a couple of these episodes, you know, some of these quarterbacks uh, that come in you know, that have have a lot of success, uh, maybe in, co- I, 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 you know, at the college level, uh, you know, you wonder, especially some of the smaller school kids, you know, uh, what, what, you know, they've got a lot of talent, but what has, you know, what has prevented them from maybe being a, a bigger school type guy and having, you know, success, you know, at a bigger, you know, Malik Willis's guy. And, and where I'm going with this is, uh, the the mental aspect of the game, uh, and and be able to uh, absorb things outside of. Uh, maybe you were more of a uh, scheme generate. You know, you were in the perfect scheme uh, at, at maybe a smaller school. And your athletic ability because of Malik Willis, he made a lot of plays, right? A lot of, you know, mm-hmm. the thing that got, that got you the most excited about Malik Willis and his tape was, you know, the, 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 the off schedule plays and stuff like that. But, you know, within that, when he was on schedule within that offense and Matt Crowell another good, 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 instance of this, a very RPO uh, uh, centric uh, kind of kid, you know, that, that made a lot of great throws. Uh, uh, had success in that system, it really makes you, I I guess where I'm going with this, it makes you really think back of, uh, you know, when you're evaluating these kids, how, you know, how can you look full forward past what they did in college, obviously? And can they be more than just guys that have the perfect system
1: for them in college? Mm -hmm. And that's probably about 80% of why, Teams miss on draft picks because you can evaluate a player and understand his talent, his strengths and weaknesses. That, generally speaking, it's not that difficult to do. The challenge is, you know, making pro- that process schematically. Yeah, the processing and, and schematic fits, and you know that that's that's certainly a factor. And if coaching staffs change and new schemes come in, do that does that draft pick fit the new scheme as well as he fit the scheme he was drafted into? Probably a lot of instances where. He doesn't. So, you know, I'd say a lot of reasons why these guys miss are the character and work ethic stuff. And then also just trying to evaluate, you know, scheme and and fit at the NFL level. And then you throw injury curveballs on top of that. And that's like it's like 90 percent of the reason why these draft picks miss to start with. So uh, that's what makes this thing so tricky.
0: You know, obviously, people listening to this are probably a Steelers fan, and and you always have the renewed optimism every year. And, man, I think this team can make the playoffs and, and, and maybe win a Super Bowl. And, you know, that just comes with the fandom uh, part of it. But, you know, regardless of what happens uh, to the Steelers in 2023, the most fascinating thing, at least in my book, uh, is watching – specifically what happens with Kenny Pickett, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's like, you know, once again, it's a captain obvious kind of thing, but you know, if you're going to have success as a franchise over a long period of time, consistently, you have to have a franchise quarterback, right. You know, sure. uh, overall. So I, I, I really, the thing that has me most excited, as we sit here on July 14th, a couple of weeks ahead of uh, training camp and all right now is just really looking forward to seeing the kind of progress that Kenny Pickett makes in his second season uh, here overall.
1: It's the most critical aspect to the 2023 Steelers. As he goes, so so does the rest of the team. And I understand, obviously, it's a run-heavy offense and there's going to be Less placed on Pickett's shoulders, but he's going to have to step up in big time moments as he did late last year. And, you know, I mean, if Pickett doesn't lead two game winning drives and they lose to the Raiders and the Ravens, we're talking about what would that be? A seven and seven and ten team. Right. We're talking about and We're having a different conversation, a different feel about how that season wrapped up as opposed to how it actually did. Right. Uh, Dave, I want to talk about one actually kind of piece of Steelers, you know, hard news, as they say in the business, Uh, not from a player standpoint, but from a front office standpoint. And as much as you nerd out about the Steelers salary cap, I nerd out about their front office and they're losing one member of their front office reportedly in Will Britt, one of their football analysts who was hired just two years ago, a pretty fresh face out of college. He replaced Jay Whitmire, who left last second to go to the New York Jets and remains with the Jets. And so the Cowboys, I've seen some other hires that they're making. They're really going all in on the data scientists and the football analysts and uh, have appeared to poach Britt from Pittsburgh to Dallas.
0: Yeah, it seems like uh, they've gone through quite a few of these guys the last couple of uh, years, right?
1: They have. There's been a pretty lengthy track record of losing some some of their you know analytical type of guys. Kareem Kasem was with Pittsburgh for a while, to be fair, but he left for Duolingo, the thing that teaches you you know Spanish. <laughs> that's that's where he left. And then he got back in the NFL with Jacksonville briefly, although that was the whole Urban Meyer thing. He left pretty quickly. Uh, he worked with the Minnesota Twins. But point is, you know, he had left Pittsburgh uh, with Myers. I mentioned he left, I think, pretty last second uh, from Pittsburgh to the Jets, where he remains. And now Britt is leaving from Pittsburgh to Dallas. And, you know, Pittsburgh's been criticized over the years for not appearing to have the most analytically forward approach. It seems to be maybe valued a bit more under Omar Khan, although you see them losing Britt. And so I imagine he'll get replaced. They do have one other football analyst on their staff in in Tozin Kazim, who's kind of part-time scout, part-time analyst. Again, I think they'll replace Britt here before the season begins, but... Um, is notable because there's a pretty good trend of them losing these guys.
0: Yeah, there is. And it makes you wonder, you know, just how deep they are into the analytic side of it, how much they value it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think Omar probably values it more than Kevin Colbert. I don't think that's going to be a stretch to say overall. Um, This probably might be, could be a salary type thing. Obviously they, you know, I'm sure Dallas will will pay well and maybe pay more than what Pittsburgh would. So we'll see, but wanted to note that because it is one piece of news that has come out uh, this week. All right. Uh, let's see where we're at here. Patrick Peterson, he's on, I think, one of these golf events. He's a big-time golfer and had an interesting quote, though. A reporter from Sports Illustrated asked him about uh, Steelers' goals in 2023, and he wants, he wants number seven, hopefully a Lombardi, but also interceptions. He wants seven interceptions in 2023, and uh, that's going to be his goal. So let me ask you, Dave, how realistic is that goal?
0: Well, let's see. Looking back at his career stats, uh, let's see. I think he hit seven once in his career, didn't he? Uh,
1: you said what? Seven Seven picks?
0: Seven picks in 2012.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, he, went, he had five last year, so he came yeah, close. Yeah,
0: he had five, but I mean, if you go back and look, look, you, you can't control how you get these things, <laughs> right? Sure. To, uh, to an extent you know, uh, some of those were, 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 uh, look, I think the one against, uh, well, they showed one last night, the one against, uh, was it the bills right in the end zone? Uh, that was a, that was a key interception to win that game, uh, against the bills last year that Patrick Peterson had kind of undercut one, right, right there in the end zone. I think he had one, uh, key one against the saints, which was a, a nice one. But the other, I think the other the other three that he had were uh more ill ill-adv- hugely ill advised kind of throws <laughs> if you if you will overall sure. uh, if you sure. want to kind of add 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 context to these things here uh i you know is seven unthinkable no he's done it before we've seen players get seven uh i i would like you know i guess where i'm going at is you should set goals that push you uh mm-hmm. to to get them this will certainly push him uh to 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 reach that goal overall i certainly think five a, a, a repeat of, of last season and look if this team's going to win games in 2023 we're going to have to see those ta- takeaways up there right and right. uh you know we talked a little while ago a couple shows ago, I think about, uh, TJ Watt and, uh, going, I, I did a deep dive into the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the career takeaways, the Steelers have had that have been directly, you know, that, that TJ Watt was directly involved in. And obviously, you know, TJ's got a couple of interceptions in there. Most of the uh, turnovers related to him were either strip sack related or him uh, recovering a fumble that somebody else, else uh, forced. Uh, We saw this team do a good job. I think last year with interceptions, right? You know?
1: Yeah. They, Uh, they tied for the league, uh, league lead last year.
0: Right. So uh, if, you know, if they, they're going to have to have uh short field results and, and putos as I like to call them <laughs> points off of uh, turnovers here. So uh, do I think he's, if I was good, if I was a, if you were to put the over under at let's say six and a half for him specifically on interceptions, you know, I'd be foolish not to take the under, but uh, man, if he gets seven, you know, they, that's probably impacted a few games along the way.
1: No doubt. Yeah, like you said, set goals high. That's the the right way to to approach that. Do I think he hit seven? No. I mean, who was the last Steeler to pick off seven passes? I think Troy was. I believe the last one in the last corner to do that. I have no idea who the last cornerback to pick off seven passes were. But as you said, Pittsburgh, they're an aggressive ball hawking secondary. I think that's been the biggest impact that Terrell Austin has brought to the Steelers. You certainly saw a direct correlation between his. Hiring uh, and and the Steelers takeaways. Now, granted, they you know you, you trade for Mike Fitzpatrick, your takeaways go up regardless of your coaching staff. But the combination there, I think, has boosted those numbers. Um, Pat Peterson, a heady guy, maybe he floats around, plays different positions, plays more kind of robber and baiting quarterbacks in the making bad throws, bad decisions, and that could get him a, a, a couple of picks. But uh, do I think he's going to get seven? No, but it is good to have those that that bar set pretty high.
0: You know, we've talked about this recently. You want to talk about something that maybe to get excited about on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to this team is uh, the secondary, and and we talked recently about uh, Demonte Casey and how great it will be to uh uh hopefully have him coming out to shoot uh ready to go in week one as opposed to not having him until after the bye week last season uh he obviously had a couple of picks there uh uh he had one in his first game didn't he uh a- a- against new orleans didn't he first game back
1: casey uh did he i know he had the one against the browns that sounds right i i Everything's kind of running together for me at this point in the offseason. I remember the one in week 18 against Cleveland on that crosser that he picked off Watson. Did he get him in, in against the Saints?
0: Remember. I'm pulling
1: up the, uh, the game log here. Yes, you're right. He did have one against the Saints. Okay.
0: And he obviously had that one at the end of the season against the Browns and all. But uh, I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, we've talked about what's 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 the safety, you know, how are they going to use guys like, uh, I mean, we know Mika's going to be on the field, but when you talk about uh, guys like they've added Kiana Neal and obviously have Casey coming back, you know, what's it going to look like? with with You know, how creative can you get kind of with rotating those guys in and playing more to the strengths of each of those guys? Obviously, Casey more of a free safety type, but he can obviously play in the box, good tackler. And, you know, Neal is a guy that's quasi – uh, uh, off the ball linebacker, you know, best suited to kind of play that, that in the box, you know, strong safety role that, that, that Terrell Edmonds has played and all like that. And then mm-hmm. you, you throw in the fact that, you know, you, you know, how, how quickly can you move guys like, you know, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, along and, and, and get him on the field on a regular basis. And, you know, uh, there was an interesting stat on, from uh pro football focus yesterday that got highlighted on, uh, Levi Wallace and, you know, how he performed against go routes, you know, last, last season and all like that. So.
1: Did they uh, say he was the best cornerback in football against go routes. Was that the, the uh, yeah, I thought it was
0: number one overall. Yeah. And I went, I went immediately to try to find, they don't have it broken down. You know, uh, we could probably get this from, uh, you know, other sources here, maybe I'll try to research that today for one of you guys, maybe you to write for right to write about and all like that. You know, how many actual go routes did he have to defend? You know, true, good point. You know, but still,
1: we, I mean, I imagine. There, there had a to be a.
0: There had to be a minimum in there. I don't think they would just I don't think it was we, it was yeah. two go routes defended both <laughs> of them. Uh he's number one. Yeah, you right. know, I would imagine with them they, they have some minimums uh there. So we'll try to effort those those numbers, but that that kind of came out of nowhere, you know, yesterday. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought Levi had a good second half of the season. I think he is one of those more underrated, underappreciated guys, even from the Steelers' own fan base. I understand Porter's excitement and Trice's excitement. Wallace will never be a, like, number one, high-level kind of guy. But, I mean, his season, his numbers were very comparable to Cam Sutton last year, who had a good season and got paid handsomely. By Detroit, so yeah, I mean Levi's is one of those. Just he's a solid, consistent guy, and you need some of those guys. You want corners that can be super, super flashy, but he's he's really steady. And dude also had four picks last year, which was a career high for him. So he made some impact plays as well.
0: All right, uh where to from here?
1: TJ Watt. We'll move down the defensive frontier and go to TJ Watt as you continue your your. I wonder if I, I'm trying to find the name for it, your right tackle, better know a right tackle series, something like that with T.J. Watt. And so I know you're you're kind of getting closer towards the end of this thing, the right tackles that Watt will face, any additional conclusions or thoughts. I think generally the, the, the thought has been T.J. Watt has some pretty favorable matchups this year.
0: Yeah, and he's got a couple of tough ones in there, too. I tell you what did stick out, though, uh, when when getting a little bit deeper into this, when you look at uh, week, week 10, uh, week 12 and week 16, overall week 10, they get the, uh, they get the Packers and you get a guy like Zach Tom uh, who, when was he it was a fourth round draft pick in 2022 out of, out of wake Forest, And uh, you know, presumably obviously this is past the middle of the season there, but uh, you would think as we sit here right now, he, he stands to be the starting right tackle for the, for the Packers. They got a Obviously, a new quarterback, right? This, this, it, and your, this, it, and your uncle's, uh, uh, Packers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Rodgers sure. no longer there. They, they've obviously going through some changes, uh, within that organization and a younger quarterback and kind of re, trying to revamp that offense a little bit post Aaron, Aaron Rodgers there. To me, this really sets up as a, you know, at least on paper this far out really sets up for uh, as a good matchup, uh, for, for what overall there's going to be, you know, a handful of tackles, at least if, if these guys all stay healthy that, uh, I consider pretty big advantages for what, you know, as we say there and, and looking at this thing this far out, I think the matchup against Zach Tom really favors, uh, uh, uh. TJ Watt right now you get into weeks 12 and 16 these are obviously games against the Bengals but who is Jonah Williams you know
1: at, at as a right court? tackle yeah we don't as a left tackle he's been better I guess but bumpy as a right tackle he's not his preferred position uh, position right but he
0: did play you know going back and looking at actual the the uh, uh where he played at Alabama you know he played a considerable amount uh at at right tackle or the last time that he did it was way back in 2016 at Alabama. Okay. So so it's not like this position is foreign to him, it's just he hasn't played it uh in 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 in, in quite a while. And obviously at the NFL level since coming in, he's been primary a, primarily a left tackle and you know there's the whole thing with 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 him earlier in the offseason It it really looked like he wanted out. You know,
1: I felt like he was going to get dealt. I guess they're going to hold on to him now.
0: Yeah, it kind of feels it sounds like he's changed his tune now. You know, Mm -hmm. at this point, I'll do what the team you know asked me to do and all like that. But uh, I mean, let's face it, you know, since coming to the NFL, Jonah Williams is it's been a bumpy ride for him. And now you're you're having to switch over to a new side. Uh, look he's still got pedigree on his side and once again it's not like you know uh, uh, an instance here of you know like one or two other tackles that that Watt will face in 2023 where you know this guy's playing on the right side now and this is going to be foreign to him how's this going to go at least he has done it throughout his you know at least in his college career it's just going to be interesting to see him make that transition and more specifically, it, does he? Are, are there continued bumps in the road for him? So, you know, we got a long way to wait until we see this matchup. Week 12 is the first time, first of two meetings between the Bengals and uh, the Steelers there. So, you know, rest assured with Cincinnati being a division, we're going to uh, be, it's going to be interesting to watch his progress over there on, uh, at, at right mm-hmm. tackle in those first, you know, several games before he has to play what?
1: Presumably, as you just referenced, he'll be a bit more comfortable at that new position by week 12. If it was week one, it's a different calculation than than if it was week 12, uh, as it was in the opener last season. So um, a note there. But still, you know, I think it's a it's a good matchup for T.J. Watt. Right. And then, uh, then uh, move, moving uh,
0: past. Uh, let's see. Moving, I think did we talk about uh, did we talk about the Tennessee situation
1: yeah, we mentioned them. yeah the unknown of who they're really how that offensive line is going to be constructed.
0: okay and then I think moving past that uh, TJ Watt uh who the heck's going to be the Cardinals starting right tackle come come week three 13. they've obviously got old man Kelvin Beecham over there from from where I sit right now I think there's a chance Kelvin Beecham is that guy uh come week 13. however. What are they going to do? You know, I've, I've read a lot of different things about Paris Johnson Jr. Obviously, their first round draft pick. Some people are speculating, you know, that 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 are closer to the organization that he might might even be a guard to start yeah. off with. with because they have D.J.
1: Humphreys. Right? right. And he's one of their guys.
0: Right. And he's he's being paid now. You know, uh, uh, you would think at some point. I mean, you didn't spend an early round first round draft pick for Paris Johnson to be a guard, did you? didn't you? Right.
1: No, I think it, Beecham probably just becomes a swing, swing tackle backup is my guess. Humphreys and, and Johnson start.
0: But didn't, you know, where, where did Paris Johnson mostly play, you know, com, coming out of uh, Ohio State, you know, left tackle, right?
1: Right. right? So, uh, yeah. So maybe you could move Humphreys to right tackle and Johnson at left tackle. And those, I mean, Humphreys is going to start. I think Johnson is going to start. And so you just figure out which sides they're going to play on.
0: Yeah, and I guess at this point, what you know, that's what makes doing this series kind of tough is you're trying to look way weeks mm-hmm. into, into the future there. So uh look, if it is Beecham, he you don't last as uh, as a seventh round, <laughs> it's hard to believe he's, he's lasted this long. I mean, it's a testament because I can remember Beecham in those in that first first handful of preseason games when he was with the Steelers as a rookie. I wondered if he's gonna make the initial 53-man roster.
1: You know? I remember those articles. He put false starts and just looked small and just struggled out there. Er- yeah, early and,
0: on. and they played him a little bit at guard, and you kind of wonder, what is he? Is he a guard? Because he had one of those, you know, he's he's, he's high cut. Mm-hmm. but kind of had that bubble butt to him, though, on top of it, made you kind of wonder, is he a tackle or is he a guard? Look, you don't last in the NFL as long as Calvin Beachum has lasted. If you don't, know if you don't have the talent there and sure. i think obviously at this point of his career he is a lot more right tackle than he is anything else and at this point of his career he's more technician than anything else right
1: yeah that's probably fair to say he's probably always been that i mean he's he's he was a good athlete but certainly one of the smaller offensive tackles in recent memory and that's why some people thought he would profile as a guard, but he's actually a better tackle than than he was a guard. So yeah, kudos to him. Great person, great community member. But I imagine he'll be the backup. Although again, by that point in the season, injuries. Who who will the Cardinals quarterback be? I, I, will Kyler be back by that point? <laughs> I think, but who the heck knows?
0: Yeah, that's another great point. And just uh, people watching his overall, you know, is he going to completely be a bust? You know, talk right. by 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 the middle, or you know, not long after he finally gets in. Into the lineup, and we don't know when that will be with him coming off uh, off that injury. So, you know, that's another tough thing about doing this series is you're looking all these weeks ahead, the and and you know some of these are 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 pretty cut dry. As long as the guy is healthy, it, it's easy to pr- predict X player will be the right tackle in that game. But you do have certain situations like with the Titans and with the Cardinals here, where you're kind of wondering who is going to be the right tackle in that game. Uh, with New England in Week 14, it looks pretty cut dry that Riley reef is going to be that guy is at least where we you know sit here right now assuming he stays healthy but uh you know he's not the player he once was obviously a pedigree type guy turning 35 years of age in december as well uh you know they target him early in free agency this past off season you know paid him you know five million dollars this year uh I would look for the Patriots to, you know, w- what does Bill Belichick usually do when he goes into games of both offensively and defensively? He tries to take the, uh, the, the number one player away on, on, on mm-hmm. both, both units overall. And, you know, as we sit here this for this early out, uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know how far Bill Belichick, uh, looks ahead, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm saying, man, I, I, no way I can let TJ Watt be a game wrecker in this game. Right.
1: Sure. And I think they've added some tight ends and boosted that group. And so, you know, just watch watch what the Bills do. If Belichick wants to watch how to handle T.J. Watt. But I think Buffalo's come up with some of the best game plans against Pittsburgh's edge rushers with the tight ends chip, chipping and, and those guys staying in, kind of even sometimes the running backs will kind of align his wings and just really, you know, never let these guys get started. So I think that's going to be the approach the Patriots take.
0: And look, you, uh, you know, you go with Riley Reef a couple, of, you know, a couple of years ago, these, uh, you know, he was with Cincinnati. So Reef and, and Watt have a little bit of a history together. And I, I think overall in those couple of games last season, obviously the first one, uh, Watt, you know, had, 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 had his injury and all there. But uh, when Watt came back in that, you know, second game there, he, it's not like Watt went crazy in that game.
1: Right, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, a T.J. Watt has to be healthy. I mean, that's the the number one, you know, part of all of this. But obviously, assuming that he is, it should be a a big. I mean, you're thinking twenty plus sacks for him. Can he get back to to that number?
0: Man, when you roll, when when you roll, and, and you know another aspect of this too, and 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 the Colts was one of the ones that I I did as part of this as well too, and you go back and you remember back to that Colts game, wasn't that the one that he got chipped in the ribs on, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, even after he returned later on in the season, and I think TJ has mentioned this as well too, you know, he what the. There, was, there wasn't a lot of full help TJ at certain <laughs> points uh, uh, last season there. So, you know, if you get a fully healthy TJ Watt right out of the shoot and he kind of minimizes those nicks and bumps and bruises uh, along the way, and you look at, you know, the pr- perspective tackles uh, that, you know, he's going to be facing uh, the right tackles along the way, it, it's hard not to come away with thinking that, yeah, I mean, he, he could be upper – Double digits and, 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 you know, make a push for, for 20 again.
1: He even recently revealed he had a thumb injury and I went, he had a thumb injury. Didn't know that never was on an injury report or anything. I know the ribs were, were, were a problem for him. So yeah, I mean, he dealt through just a lot of crap last year.
0: And, you know, we, uh, but uh, my main takeaway by doing this series and, and forcing myself to go deeper into some of these tackles he'll face is I, I feel pretty good about the prospects of, of, of TJ Watt making a run at a sure. second defensive MVP. Uh, uh,
1: all right, Dave, let's uh, get through your 90 and 30 series. Talk about what uh, the, the names you've written about since our last podcast. We'll start things off if I'm picking up where we left off correctly with Ryan McCollum. Second year guy. I've talked about him some. I think second year guy I should say for for Pittsburgh signed midway through camp last year. He's got some NFL experience, played 100 snaps in Detroit in 2021. He's got size and He can play center. He can play guard that backup center spot wide open. Not saying it. You know, confidently will be McCollum, but I think he's a guy that could quietly make some noise this summer.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, uh, when you look at, we've talked about that backup center position quite a bit. I think the biggest threat to him, uh, when you look at guys like him and 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 Kendrick Green specifically, uh, I think McCollum could potentially be a, a a big a big threat to Kendrick Green, and I think McCollum's biggest threat at this point with a couple of weeks to go before training camp starts is somebody that's not on the roster, right? The now. The
1: field. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The field, if you will, uh, at, at this point here. So we, uh, you know, uh, to his credit, he was with this team last season. So he knows the scheme. He knows what to expect. Uh, you know, you know, the, you know, the blocking style and, and, and everything that, that this team wants to do. He does have experience, not only at the NFL, but obviously at the college level at, 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 at the center position, here. So this is going to be a kid in McCollum that it's going to be quite interesting to, to watch what happens as the rest of the summer progresses. Will this team, I I think this team will take a long look at him and give him every opportunity to win the backup job. But within that, you know, the, I think the tape and, and the practices will speak volume. And more importantly, the closer we get to week one is will this team go out outside the organization to find a guy that they want to be their mm-hmm. backup.
1: Yeah, it'll be an ongoing battle and evaluation internally and externally. So it is going to be one of those things that isn't the most exciting battle to talk about, but it will be an important one this summer.
0: All right. Anthony McFarlane, Jr., a guy we talked quite a bit about. Um You know, things obviously haven't gone his way first couple seasons through the NFL here. Uh, They did resign him to reserve future contract right away after the the 2022 season ended. He's now taking part in his third training camp. He knows what to expect when it comes to that. I think even he has said, right, that he knows he's going to have to make some sort of special teams contributions here. Even so, it's going to be a tough road for him, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of your favorite thing, the the meeting with the two Bobs. You know, what exactly do you do here? Anthony McFarlane, I'm not really sure what his role would be. Limited on special teams, lacks the size and the power that Pittsburgh typically looks for with that number three running back. Does have the experience. thought he had a decent camp last year and and made some plays against the Colts, so I don't want to dis- dismiss him entirely. I mean, he has that that veteran edge, you know, play, uh, compared to some of the rookies like Alfonso Graham and, and Darius hagans But... Um, it's a little bit of a surprise. He's still around, and this may be his last lap around the track.
0: And he's got some young competition in there with a few younger other running backs trying to get his spot as well, too. So yep. you know, can, can those guys make a bigger impact on special teams? And maybe he can, and, and maybe can they show something on offense as part of that uh, in, in, in in case they have to see the field?
1: For sure, for sure. So it's going to be a real battle, a really fun, intense competition with that third running back spot. I think it's going to be one of the most fun ones to watch. It's not going to be incredibly consequential out of the gate, but, you know, number three running back, it's doubtful that Najee Harris, Jalen Warren will play the entire season and not miss any sort of time. And in this kind of more committee type system, one of those guys goes down at number three is number two, that's going to have a role on offense. And so that, that expectation and and that thought could change in an instant. If one of your top two guys misses time.
0: All right. Next guy on the list, Dan Moore Jr. There's not a lot that hasn't already been that we haven't said about uh, him and the situation uh, that he's in you know, to his credit, you know, came out to shoot as a draft pick in 2021 and uh, played in 34 of 34 regular season games and started everyone that he suited up for uh, at left tackle. It's been a bumpy ride for him at left tackle. So far, this team obviously goes out and trades up in the first round and drafts Broderick Jones, who's the heir apparent to one of those tackle spots mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And uh, core ford has got a healthy contract over on that side. So that Puts Dan Moore Jr. obviously at left tackle, the position that uh, Broderick Jones is a lot more familiar with. Uh, under the microscope here, uh, it it feels um like a matter of when, not if, Dan Moore Jr. gets overtaken. Uh, how long can he hold off the rookie?
1: That's a fair question. I am a bit of a Dan Moore truther and defender. I think he's been better than people give him credit for. I've seen the progression. I know he got thrown into the fire as a fourth round rookie and saying, all right, man, you're starting week one out of the gate. That wasn't probably the plan, but that's the reality of what happened for him. I know he's you know, had some things to work on, especially dealing with power and bull rushes. He's talked about improving his anchor. I think he's a really hard worker, a really good kid. Obviously, Jones is the draft pick. He will play probably sooner than later, but I think it's going to be a really, really good battle between Moore and Jones. And as I wrote earlier this offseason, Moore will not give this job up without a fight. It's going to be a really good battle.
0: Right. I agree. I think as I ended this outlook uh, paragraph here with him, I think there's a decent chance that Moore winds up being the Steelers' week one starter, starter at left tackle. And if that's the case, he will have no room for error. With the rookie first round draft pick right behind him. Once, however, Moore is eventually moved aside for Jones, he should become the primary back backup at both both tackle spots.
1: And if Moore wins the job, his prize is Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett, which should maybe mm. may unfortunately send him to the bench uh, sooner than than he should, because those are obviously two difficult matchups, but you could see that playing out. Right, exactly. All right, next up is Tanner Morgan, undrafted free agent quarterback out of Minnesota. Once thought to be a potential first round draft pick and is a highlight of his uh go first career, but now he's the number four quarterback. And will he be will he be Ola Dokens? Be, <laughs> you, he, you you
0: he, got to it before I could.
1: Oh, did you have that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to steal your no, thunder there.
0: No, I just uh if if that's a verb or an adjective or <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what it is, but uh Will he get o- ola Dokund, uh during training camp? You know how many reps. Mm-hmm. You know you got a second year quarterback in Kenny Pickett. You obviously want to get him as many reps as you can uh, throughout the rest of the summer, and that includes preseason as well too. Uh, you, Mitch is obviously going to have to get his reps, and as you know, you've got a lot of comfort per se in in in, in Mason Rudolph uh, and 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 at a. Uber uh, ultra-cheap price as well, too, with him. So it's not like you save money uh, there. Uh, I just I wonder how much work Morgan's going to get.
1: I think he'll get a bit more than Oladokun last year, but probably not much more. And will he even get into a game? Will he have enough reps in practice to get you know, end of a first or second, third preseason game? I'm not confident in that. But at least it wasn't a draft pick. And if it is Oladokun... Hopefully he gets a ring, Morgan does, like Ola Doken did last year with the Chiefs.
0: Right. So uh, uh, just the main question with him is, you know, how much do you see him during training camp and how much do the rest of us see him during the preseason?
1: Yeah, I think the answer to that for both of us is little, minimal uh exposure. But we'll be tracking. We'll be charting. We love our, our, our charts and data during training camp. Tanner Muse, Dave, do you think there's any chance he could have a defensive role as a former safety as a you know coverage kind of guy? Oh, it's
0: going to be interesting. you know, here, here's the thing when it comes to 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 Muse, uh I uh, him and Nick Kwiatkowski kind of feel like, you know, mm. the, the sort of the same person here battling for potentially one spot overall uh muse boy you remember back to the athletic profiles and him coming out of clemson and uh kind of muse being that uh planet theory type player uh if you will but the problem with that is none of that's really teams have had a tough time trying to figure out a where he, where he needs to play and and you know, if, if they can get him on the field regularly on the defensive side of football, he's kind of had a, a, a trough tran- transition, if you will, kind of being that quasi inside linebacker safety, uh, uh, kind of player. Um, uh, he logged what just 80 snaps on defense in 2022 with the Seahawks, another 325. Make no mistake about it. When it comes to Muse and Kwiatkowski, uh, Danny Smith knows who these guys are, uh, mm-hmm. f- uh, f- uh, for sure there. Uh, you know, I guess what you're asking, you know, is—is is this the uh, a more more athletic Robert Splain?
1: Yeah, you think about, you know, Mark Barron made that transition from safety to linebacker, and obviously this team signed Cole Hokum. You would expect him to be the three down guy. What if Hokum were to get hurt or just really struggle? I mean, I don't. I, Muse was signed for special teams. He was signed to really replace Marcus Allen, and this team lost a lot of special teamers, including. Allen, Benny Snell, Derek Watt, Spillane, etc. And so, uh, when you see Kwiatkowski, when you see Muse get signed, it's it's in large part due to that. But I'm just wondering. I mean, he's kind of he's a little Miles killebrew like, where they were good athletes in college and Killebrew stayed at safety. Probably should have moved to linebacker. He's really not a safety. Uh, Muse made that transition, but they just kind of turned into uh, you know quality special teams guys.
0: Yeah, it just makes you kind of wonder what it, you know, what has happened so far that's that's prevented him from living up to to that draft stock, you know?
1: Yeah, just positioned fit. And I don't think he was at, as athletic on tape as uh, he was testing coming out of Clemson.
0: So, I mean, is he a guy that could potentially get some snaps here and there? And who do you pull off the field when he's on it? You know?
1: Yeah, all good questions there, but we'll keep an eye on that in training camp. The next one here, Toby in Dukeway. He's an undrafted rookie from Sam Houston State. Tryout guy. Didn't initially sign, but circled his way back about a week later. Obviously a, a, a tough path there, but we'll see. There's always pass rushers that seem to surprise in camp.
0: Yeah, super tough path specifically to the 53 with him. It would take a lot of unfortunate things to happen and breaks to go his way for him to make the 53-man roster. And then when you look at the other uh, uh, young outside linebackers on, on the roster, you know, you got Quincy Roche now back with the uh, organization. And then David Perales is one, was one of their six uh, uh, original undrafted free agents. Uh you know, it, uh, and, and Dukeway is going to have to make his mark specifically on specialty. It's just a tough road for him overall. Can he even stay on the roster throughout the entire summer? You know?
1: Yeah. At least there's no cut downs, but right. injury, when injury takes place, he may get the, the heatho.
0: You know, he's he's one of those end of the end of the lines kind of guys. And if mm-hmm. you get short uh, uh, at the end of the line somewhere else in another position group, you kind of wonder you know, he, he's definitely going to have to stay healthy. He can't afford to miss <laughs> miss any time or else he'll be waved injured in a heartbeat, uh, there. So I, I think the best, the overall best case scenario with him is he lasts on the 90 man roster throughout, the uh, throughout the rest of the summer, uh, shows enough, uh, you know, Prowess, in whatever reps he does get as an outside linebacker. And then, you know, how does he do on special teams? So I think it'll be a huge accomplishment for him if we're sitting here come week one and says, well, Toby made the practice squad. All
1: right. That's a great point. He reminds me of that Tomlin quote from the pivot last year. I'm paraphrasing, but sometimes your time is short because of circumstances that are out of your control. And sometimes mm-hmm. your time is extended because of circumstances. All that to say that injuries elsewhere may impact his uh, ability to, to, uh, to stick around.
0: All right. Uh, Kiana, Neal. we've had a lot of conversation. There's not too much more to add right here other than it's going to be real, real interesting to see how he gets his snaps carved out for him. Uh, and at whose expense, uh, you would have to think that, uh, you know, some three safety, uh, uh, dime type packages maybe is one way to carve out snaps for him. You know, uh, could he be an early? Could could he be this team's early early down uh, first and ten? Uh, so, you know, strong safety type.
1: That's my expectation to start. I mean, he's he's the Edmonds replacement. He's not as athletic and probably not quite as good as Edmonds was, but they're pretty much the same guy. They're box type of safeties. They're hitters. They're not going to offer much in coverage. Edmonds, I think, was offering more at the end of his career than what Neal's going to offer in 2023. But, yeah, I think first and 10, box strong safety. Does he have a role in dime packages on third and long? Is he going to come down and be that dime linebacker next to Holcomb the way Edmonds often was last year? We'll see, but he's uh, he's here for the run defense and the, the hitting ability.
0: Could, by the end of the 2023 season, if this defense, you know, does, you know, plays, you know, up to, up to what they hope they, they hope, hope they get from, from this unit. uh And they, you know, they get the turnovers and, uh, you know, just a good season by the defense overall. Is there a possibility we look back at the signing of Keanu Neal as being, man, they really got a lot of value out of this guy.
1: I don't know if I would go that far. They're going to get some snaps out of him. Could he
0: he play 500 snaps?
1: I mean, as a starting strong safety, assuming that's what he is, then yeah, that's that's probably pretty realistic. In the quality of those snaps, I think he'll be okay. You know, as long as he's not a liability in coverage and missing a bunch of tackles, then I'll take it.
0: What does he need to do to be considered an upgrade in 2023 over Terrell Edmonds in the snaps he would have played?
1: That's a good question. It, that's tough for me to answer. I mean, if he made some plays in coverage, then that would be probably an upgrade. I'm not really expecting that based on his, you know, skill set and track record. Um, Edmonds was just one of those like steady, available guys. I mean, this guy's playing a thousand snaps each season, every season, and so it's kind of a, a tough bar because I don't expect Neil to come away with five interceptions. I mean, if he made some splash plays and forced fumbles and picks, then that's probably how he becomes the uh, the upgrade.
0: You know, he's been in the NFL a little while now, surprised He's well under 30 years of age still. How old is he? Uh, what is he? 27, 28?
1: Really? Still that young. Yeah, it feels like he's like 33 or something. It,
0: it really does. It feels like he's been around the NFL for a uh for a long, let me pull up his uh age specifically here. He is about to turn 28 uh
1: wow.
0: 12 days from now when when camp opens.
1: Yeah, that and is. It, he feels a lot older than that.
0: Right now. Uh, this is a guy that obviously has had his share of injuries so far during his NFL career. That's uh, uh, impacted. Uh, and he, he's, you know, he's another guy that, you know, where is his best fit? He's played free safety. He's played some strong safety. He's even Dallas a couple years ago, his off the ball linebacker uh, with them. So I, my main takeaway when looking at Keanu Neal heading into the season is, is can they, a, can he, can he stay healthy and stay on the field, obviously? And B, can they maximize his ability and best use him where he best fits in that defense and get every ounce out of sure.
1: him? Sure. Yeah, I think he's a strong safety, closer to the line of scrimmage kind of guy. It will be tough to rotate him. Uh, that's where, obviously, Casey's going to come in and do that. And, you know, Neil and Casey played together for a little bit, so maybe that helps slightly. But, yeah, he's going to be a guy that should work within eight yards of the line of scrimmage.
0: All right, Trey Norwood. It kind of feels like when we sit here right right now, he's he 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 could potentially be outside the bubble, right? Swiss Army knife type player that's had some kind of problems adjusting to the NFL game so far, especially in some coverage situations. Uh, I when I think of first thing that I think of when 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 I think of Trey Norwood, I think of angle of tackles. Hmm. <laughs>
1: meaning in I, don't, I don't think bad yeah, angles.
0: I think he takes a lot of bad angles that show up on tape first and yeah. foremost,
1: his tackling last year, it's never been good, but last year it was really, really poor.
0: And, you know, obviously going to have to stick out as a, as a core special teamer while he does have some experience in that, in that phase of the game, he's only managed six total tackles in his first two seasons, despite playing 358 total snaps on those units so far. So, uh, I think as we sit here right now, it might come down to how many how many in that room do they keep? You know, uh, he might need a break number wise.
1: Yeah, I haven't put together the whole roster construction, but might be getting a little bit tight for him. But I think it's less about even that, but just more about his play. And the guy's got to be able to tackle better. I mean, I think he can cover. Um, I think the tackling and a special teamer they can't tackle is is hard is a hard road to to live. So I think he's squarely a bubble player that needs to have a big summer.
0: Uh, we won't be surprised, though, come week one, if he's a member of the practice squad, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's just one of those things. I know they've done it before, but I'm like, if you're, you're on the roster for two years and then you're going backwards with practice squad, I know you can keep a bunch of those guys. I saw Marcus
0: Allen do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I know. I mean, I, they have done that before with, with several names. So no, it wouldn't surprise me. He is versatile. And if you can put him there, you got to... Is that 16-man practice squad? I know we. I asked you about this a couple of weeks ago. It's I'm working
0: under the, under the assumption it is.
1: Okay. I, I just... They, they changed it and, and, and they expanded it for COVID, but... 14, 16, you got a bunch of spots there. You might as well keep a guy that, that's played uh, in the NFL, played for your team. So, yeah, that would make sense.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. James Nyamwa uh, comes out of, uh, he is the Merrimack kid, right? Uh, that one year at Merrimack and previously played at Curry College over there. The thing that sticks out the most uh, when you look at him, and I believe he was one of the original six undrafted free agents Mm -hmm. this year as well, too. uh, His path, obviously, to the NFL came via the small school route. Uh, he is a measurable kid <laughs> uh and that's where it starts with him not overly the thing you you would hope that these guys coming taking this the, the, this uh small school route would have had mega production uh at the small school level but that wasn't really necessarily uh the case with him however he does fit the measurables that they love when it comes to the defensive and defensive tackle uh spots it's 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 an incredibly tough path, merely as a measurable small school kid, and I think uh, he's along the lines of another, another guy on this roster that he better hope, you know, lines outside of his position stay long, because it's it's going to be incredibly tough for him. I think to stick on the ninety throughout through through no fault of his own, even stick on the 90-man roster. And if he does, I think that's a testament to to him overall, and, and B, have some luck involved with it. And, and there might be an outside chance that he can warrant being signed to the practice squad.
1: Yeah, my exposure to him is obviously – Pretty minimal considering the small college, the lack of tape. He's a rookie, but I, I have a, maybe a different take. I think he's an interesting guy, measurable standpoint. Pretty good athlete. Yeah, the production wasn't overwhelming, but you know I don't know if that's more scheme or retention related or whatever the case was. And, you know, Pittsburgh's D-line just feels like there aren't a lot of guys behind Joby and Haywood in terms of defensive ends. Now you had Keanu Benton and Fahoko, and those are more of the nose tackle to start types. I think Watts will play up and down the line. to me's on the bubble you know, go back to Leal and what he is and all that kind of stuff. But I think this is a guy that, you know, probably is not going to make the 53 because trying to make that jump is, is a big jump. Mary Mack to, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, to the NFL, but maybe practice squad. I think he's a guy that again, having the size and the measurables is hard to find. So I, I want to keep an eye on, and I'm going to work on the name here. It's um Niamh, Niamh Waya. Oh, I'm going to really have to work on that.
0: Uh, I think the best way to classify him is he's a small school developmental player for this team this summer.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good one sentence way, but I think that could lend itself to practice squad because this team needs some defensive line depth. It's really, if anything, if there was one thing you wanted to maybe, you know, go out there and sign, uh, early in camp, it might be one of those more veteran defensive alignment, defensive end types. All
0: right. I think we have us all caught up on, on the series there.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything else, Dave, you want to get to before we get to some reader emails and close out today's show?
0: Uh, what'd you think about what Ben had to say about uh, <laughs> uh, not throwing in the
1: offseason? <laughs> yes. Ben's offseason training of no no training was actually his offseason training. Yeah, I figured people would, would enjoy that. But I mean, I understood what he was saying because you throw so much during the year. And the bottom line is it worked for Ben. Whether it works for other quarterbacks, I don't know. But it worked for Ben. You can't argue with the results. And I just I put the clip in there because I thought about it as I was writing it. The interview that he did with Chris Sims years ago, and Sims is peppering him with questions about Ben, what's your workout like? And your mechanics are flawless. Like, how do you grip the football? Do you into a You Are you a two and five guy? And Ben's like, I have no idea what any of this means. I just throw the football. And that is just like classic Ben.
0: Uh, I would venture to say that Kenny has thrown a lot this summer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Kenny has thrown more this summer than Ben threw in the last 10 off seasons that he had in his career. But uh, as Ben said, he, you know, he, he was a workout. He says he was a workout guy early in his career, then scaled things back, you know, Pickett's young. I imagine at some point, maybe Pickett would, would scale things back too. But you certainly see in this new age, everybody's got a quarterback coach, you know, personal quarterback coach and this, you know, regimented off season schedule. And, you know, that wasn't as much a thing back in Ben's early days. And, you know, by the end of his career, when it became more in vogue, you know, he was older and didn't feel the need to do it. And again, it worked for him. So as long as it worked for him, who 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 are we to say otherwise?
0: All right, uh, let's jump into the email machine here. Larissa writes in, hi, guys. Thanks for the great offseason season coverage. Cannot wait for the season to start. It's funny going into the year. I thought center and inside linebacker were the biggest needs, and I was certain they would address these in a draft. Those are the core positions of Steelers history. I know we did add add via free agency, but I was almost certain we would definitely get an elite inside linebacker and center in a draft. Don't get me wrong. I loved our draft. Do you think it was because lack of talent for centers?" an inside linebacker in the draft also who do you think will be covering the number one uh receivers game one and two who is our shutdown corner on Debo Samuel and Amari Cooper week one and two thanks again for getting me through uh some boring uh sports periods here uh look i mean you could have we said this before the draft it, it just felt felt like there was two so many holes and not enough picks <laughs> right
1: mm-hmm. right uh, can't fill everything
0: you can't fill everything. And, uh, look, I thought, you know, I thought Mason, Mason Cole played better in his first season in Pittsburgh than what I expected. I think you can definitely win some games and get by, uh, with, with, with Mason Cole in, uh, in 2023. Also the center class was, I mean, it just felt like an, Kind of, kind of the the run-of-the-mill center class overall. I mean, there were some. There's obviously one or two that's going to end up sticking, I think, and play have long careers. But I, but I, I don't think the center class overall, top to bottom, was as was as exciting as maybe the previous year.
1: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on the comparison. I'd have to go back and think. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh did their homework. I, I just think it was twofold. One, as we just mentioned, you can't draft everything. You know, there's a lot of positions this team needed to fill. Cornerback, offensive tackle were, were their top two priorities. Um, and then, you know, get, get a guy like Benton uh, in that mid-second round was, was pretty important. And you do have Mason Cole. And usually when you're drafting a center high, it's kind of, you know, we want this guy to play right away. And Cole was going to be your starter. So there was less urgency to do that. I think maybe they should have signed a veteran or maybe kept JC Hossenauer around, tendered him or something. But I wasn't too mad at, the, at not uh, using a high draft pick on a center because that guy probably would have sat his rookie year. And that's not usually how it goes when you're drafting offensive linemen early.
0: I think you, Larissa, I think maybe we've talked about this recently. I think both those positions you could see early in the uh, 2024 draft yes, where we sit definitely.
1: right now. I think off ball off, off linebacker. This team is not invested enough draft wise yeah, as they should. It's been a lot more free agents and a lot less picks. There have been picks, uh, Devin Bush, obviously. People forget Buddy Johnson was a terrible pick by the Steelers, <laughs> and it was a fourth rounder. But I mean, this guy was just gone. He played like six games as a rookie, like, two tackles, and then cut outright last year. I think that's one of those forgotten misses by Colbert. But yeah, this team's going to have to draft. Watch out, Jeremiah Trotter uh, Jr. Uh, Jonathan's talked about him. That feels like a Steeler next year.
0: All right. Uh, who do you think is covering the number one receivers in game one and two, Alex?
1: No one in particular, because Pittsburgh plays sides. They don't shadow. Uh, they haven't done that in, in a decade plus. And so they have a left corner and a right corner. And so they don't really uh, match up against particular personnel. So it'll be the combination of of all those guys.
0: All right, from Brett now. Hey, Dave and Alex, I had a quick question for you. Which current offensive lineman, if any, will be the next to get another contract from the Steelers? He says, to me, it's Dan Moore Jr. I think both he and four will be free agents at the same time, and I suspect they sign Moore to play right tackle and let Okorafor walk. If not him, then it may be Daniels or Jones, he says. Thoughts on that. Also for Alex, most underrated current Steeler. He says, my vote goes to James Daniels. Uh, He has been very good and mostly invisible both nationally and within the fan base. He says his all-time vote is Hardy Nickerson or Thomas Everett. He says, I watched both of them and they were outstanding. Everett was a pro bowler, but was overshadowed by Rod Woodson and Nickerson was an all pro caliber player four times in Tampa. After he left was overshadowed overshadowed by the inside linebackers that came after him, LeVon Kirkland, Chad Brown, Kendrell Bell. Uh, all right, a lot to chew on there. Uh, who is the next, who, which current offensive lineman, if any, will be next to get another contract from the Steelers. Here's the thing about Dan Moore, Jr. If Dan Moore, Jr. is a guy that's going to be a very modest contract, you would think, unless they think he can really be, uh, you know, uh, the, this this team starting right tackle for years beyond, you know,
1: mm-hmm. come time. Yeah, but I mean, if, if it comes, if they're basically deciding between our long term future of more or core for and they're giving more a deal with the intention of he's going to replace a core for then it's going to be some decent money to be a starting right tackle in the NFL. I don't know. It's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that much. I think this year will be, you know, pretty telling and all of that. I mean, a core four, you know, has always been, you know, average, but they do like him. They kept him around this long. So and they gave obviously gave him a long term deal uh, what a year or two ago. So. I'm not really sure on that one.
0: Yeah, I I don't know which way I would lean on that as well either. Uh, Who is next to get another? If we're just talking about another contract from the Steelers, regardless of it being highly lucrative or not, uh, I think Dan Moore Jr. might be a a decent bet.
1: Because they're up at the same time. They're free agents after next year. Am I correct in that? Uh, after next year, 2024, yeah. After I know more is, yeah. So it's going to be like they're going to get probably one contract to one of those guys to be the right tackle, or or door number three of go obviously draft somebody and bring in somebody new, maybe sign more to to a backup level type of deal. But, um, yeah, next year will be interesting with those two guys. I mean,
0: this team very well at some point next season could draft another tackle as part of the class,
1: yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to rule that out, but in terms of you know, contractually. You would not expect both Moore and a for to get new deals from Pittsburgh, correct? Probably one of those guys, and so the question will be right. who.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, that's a great – I I don't know how that's going to play out as far as the yeah. next one there. Uh, this will be
1: important and I think, determining that answer.
0: All uh, right. What do you think about his answers about uh all-time vote for Hardy Nickerson or Thomas Everett?
1: And that was the most underrated he had said? Yeah. Yeah. Um he's probably a bit more familiar with those guys than than I am. But I I, I had the terrible take the other day on, on some of my personal lists. I think even by the own fan base of Deshae Townsend. I think Frank Lewis was super underrated. So those are kind of two names to come to mind. He asked about the current day stealer who feels underrated. I think Levi Wallace, I mentioned him, Mason Cole. I think those two guys might might get my vote right now. All
0: right, Steve Nov- Novakovich writes in I'm 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 getting amused by all the whining and fussing over the uh, recurring point from Depot readers that goes, what are we doing drafting Kenny Pickett when we all know we have to draft a clone of Patrick Mahomes in order to win a Super Bowl in the next 40 years? He says everybody needs to settle down comparing Kenny's likely 12 year NFL career to a single game means we are now only five minutes into the first quarter uh, of that game. Now, no one can know enough at this point to get all worked up. I do think it's worth talking about, Kenny, based on what we've seen so far. He says, I don't have questions about his size, mobility, ability to make throws needed by an NFL quarterback or hand size. I saw enough last year to think he is checking those boxes adequately. The remaining critical factors, in my opinion, are less physical uh, tangible. He says his ability and propensity propensity to work and study hard and his ability to deal with mental pressure that comes with being an NFL uh, quarterback. He says, I've heard stories about Kenny being a very hard worker and watch, watches a lot of film. I think I've seen an impressive amount of poise and confidence from him in critical moments in games such as those game-winning drives last year. I think he has the it factor as is an exceptionally cool-headed quarterback uh, at all the best quarterbacks have that. He says. What overall factors do you think are the most important that are most in question as it relates to Kenny Pickett? I think that's. I think the last sentence is the question there because uh, I have no concerns about Kenny the worker. Kenny the uh, mental capacity. Uh, Kenny, the kind of those outlying kind of intangibles and all like that. I mean, he's an accurate passer, yada, yada. Uh, what do you think are the factors that are most important, that are most in question as it relates to Kenny Pickett?
1: I guess it's hard for me to think about one specific tangible trait that might be lacking. I mean, I think obviously the physical tools aren't off the charts in terms of the super you know, big arm, not that you need to have that, but just talking out loud. The question with Pickett has always been, what's that ceiling? You know, I think he'd become a very good quarterback, a top 10, top 12, but the the concern is, you know, to bring this thing full circle when we talk about the Netflix quarterback series, you know, is he Kirk Cousins' 2.0 2.0 in the sense of a really good quarterback, but is he going to get you over the hump against the my Mahomes of the world? And so that's a very general thought. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. I'm more focused on the here and now and the you know progression and, and all that kind of stuff. But that is the the looming concern with Pickett. You know, he he could become a top ten quarterback. Can he become a top five quarterback? Yeah, it's a tougher path. And if you can't become a top five quarterback, what are your odds of winning a Super Bowl?
0: I don't and look, I, I get his, his first point there too. It's it's way too early to be freaking out about anything, in my in my opinion. Once again, my thought on Kenny Pickett is I want to see quarterbacks play those first, you know. 20 games or so. Uh, and I really think with, you know, the way his rookie season went and then now getting uh, a reset as, as being the starter now to start his second season and having all that BS that goes along with the rookie season behind him and all like that. You know, I think we look at this. Uh, and, and like I said earlier in the show, I cannot be more excited to see what happened. I, in, in 2000 regardless of what happens with the team playoffs non-playoffs you know seven and ten ten and seven whatever i'm excited about being able to learn i think we're going to get a good look and, and a good idea of what kenny pickett is and isn't in his second season and i think mm-hmm. you you know uh, first six games in particular uh i'm i'm really looking forward to diagnosing
1: yeah, th- that's where I'm at. I'm just kind of here, where we're at right now. It's uh, it's a big year number two for Pickett to see what that jump looks like. Now that he's the guy, now that he's been in the NFL system, he knows what it's all about. And and that's really where my focus is at. Less so on you know the the bigger picture question of can he become Mahomes and Burrow and all that kind of stuff.
0: You know what if you are listening to this and you're emphatic either way, Kenny Pickett's going to be the uh, the next great. Steelers quarterback and lead them to uh championships, or you're on the other end of the spectrum at this point from what you've seen, and you've said, Oh, Kenny, Kenny's not gonna make it, he's gonna be a bust and all like that. You know, that you the complexion of all that could change in the first six games to the totally opposite, you
1: know. Right. Right. Now I understand the reader was saying like because he was saying, why are we even talking about Izzy Mahomes or Burrow? I think he's basically in agreement with us saying, you know, we need to just focus on you know, where he's sure. at now in the second year type of stuff. So I don't want to uh, insinuate otherwise. I know we had an email, I think, last episode that talked about can Pickett become that. Um But, yeah, I mean, that that I'm with you. Let's just focus on where he's at the first six weeks of year number two and take it from there.
0: Uh Mike. My- Shirtzer, right, right saying. Guys love the show and listen religiously. I think you both hinted at, suggested that reasonable expectation for a, for a successful season would be a playoff victory. If we assume that a, the AFC division winners are KC, Buffalo, Bengals, and Jacksonville, which of these teams do you think we'd have a reasonable chance of beating? On the road, he says, I know the Steelers measure success by trophies, but I think making the playoffs is a more reasonable expectation for this team. I just can't think that we'd have a good chance of beating one of those four teams without a significant improvement at quarterback on offense, which I hope comes by the end of the year. Thanks, Mike. Look, uh, get, get in the tournament, man. Get in the tournament. Uh, I mean, obviously if KC Buffalo and Cincy are, are all there as three of those four teams, those would be tough, tough chores for sure. Uh, You know, of, of the four selections you gave me, I would think that Jacksonville would give you the best opportunity to win one of those four games, but a lot happens along the season and teams might come limping into the playoffs or, or whatever. But I mean, just if you're giving me those four teams, I would choose Jacksonville.
1: Same. Probably. I think ideally, not ideally, but what is realistic to me, most realistic is because for Pittsburgh to become the the number five seed this year, top wildcard spot, play the number four seed, which was most likely probably the AFC South team in Jacksonville. You're going into Jacksonville, not hostile territory. Pittsburgh, I think would uh, represent themselves well there. Obviously the last meeting in the playoffs against Jacksonville did not go in Pittsburgh's favor. Uh, The Bengals too. I mean, you know, those are always good games. I mean, the Bengals are, are more talented team. Their offense is super potent. Their defense underrated, but you know, Pittsburgh's hung tough with them. So as you said, you know, getting the, getting the playoffs and you take it from, uh, from there, but the Bengals are Jaguars.
0: All right. Uh, one last one, uh, David Ricards, uh on Claypool. I'm curious to- Curious if either of you have an opinion on why, on how, and why Claypool went from rookie sensation to cast off to Chicago. I love the trade, and I'm excited to see Joey Porter Jr. But I can't help but think back to the excitement we had going into Claypool's second year. I've been under the assumption that he didn't continue to work to the professional level required to continue progressing, but that isn't supported with much objective evidence outside of what I saw during games. Look, my my thought and I took hell for this, was Claypool A was never that guy that's going to win emphatically over the top uh, when it came to uncontested throws. And it turns out that so far that's been the M.O. on him. Uh, Second, when you look back at rookie season, the thing that sticks out is he was making his share of uh, contested catches uh, at at that point but those kind of went away in his, you know, last season with him, you know?
1: Yeah. The uh, question is why, I mean, cause he was super productive. I mean, he had a four touchdown game against the Eagles. We we're going crazy about this guy. What changed so dramatically from year one to a year later where he's now, you know, basically public enemy number one in Pittsburgh. Well, I don't, I
0: can't sit here and say his professional level required to, to con- continue progressing wasn't there because, you know, I, I wasn't there every day. You know, I, right. I, I didn't see it, but, uh, it, <laughs> it did feel looking back in a rear view mirror, I kind of wonder if they kind of did feel wonder if he's all in or not.
1: Yeah, I understand. And that's, you know, obviously tricky territory and you're always careful of, you know, not accusing player, uh, accusing a player of, you know, not having great work happens without more concrete evidence. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what the answer is. I think it's a really good question. I think sometimes as a rookie, when you're a really, you know, athletically gifted, physically gifted guy like Claypool, it's a bit easier out of the gate. And then once NFL teams start to kind of figure you out and know what your game's about, then they adjust to you. And maybe you don't adjust back that well. And then what happened at least last year was they drafted Pickens and he was that, you know, true Z type contested catch. Receiver that Claypool was not. And so Claypool tries to go to the slot, and he was and is not a slot receiver in terms of nuance and feel and precise route running. And so he just kind of never really had a home in Pittsburgh at the end there because Pickens was the outside guy and Claypool was not a slot receiver. So I don't have a great answer for really what changed, other than to say that sometimes guys have really good rookie seasons that are athletically gifted, and the NFL then adjusts to them and they can't adjust back.
0: If he's going to stay in the NFL, is it as a big slot guy, is he going to have to become a, and, and maybe not necessarily an every down guy, but is he, is that how he's going to stay in the NFL?
1: I don't think so. I'm not, I I, I don't know exactly how Chicago wants to use him this year, but I think if he's going to stick, it's going to have, he's going to have to become a better contested catch guy. And because and, and, he's six, four, like two thirty, he's a guy that should be able to win on the outside. Dude runs four, 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 two, but so. he hasn't
0: yet. And he really right. didn't, he really didn't at the college level either.
1: Right. I understand. But I mean, the traits are there. He's got to put it together. I mean, I don't I don't know what traits he has as a big slot receiver other than being a big guy. I don't think he has the field to to work inside. I think he has to figure it out as, as, a, as a Z receiver.
0: OK, I think we got uh, caught up here on the questions here. Anything else you'd like to add as we get out of here? You're going on vacation next week, so I'm going to have to oh, get Josh or Jonathan or somebody in for a couple of shows next week here. Uh, you figure out where you're going?
1: Uh, not really. Anyone want to recommend recommend anything? Feel free to uh, to do so. But yeah, I'll figure something out. So you guys, you guys get a break from me. I'm sure everybody's going to be happy. Uh, i <laughs> <I'll miss> <laughs> right, Ma- okay, make sure. Make sure you
0: get a temporary Netflix uh, subscription and watch yeah, that. What, what, while you are you going?
1: Spend my week watching Marcus Mariota prepare.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll be back on Tuesday with the show. We'll uh we'll have I uh, don't you know Josh John I don't know somebody on. Uh, to fill in a couple of shows next week there for Alex. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at Terrible Podcast, email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. Like what we do and want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com, hit the donate button, up right, navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, steedersdepot.com, hit the ad-free button, up right, navigational bar. Uh, until next week, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.